my my job as as the pre, like president really is like to be the chief listener as well that that has been something i have tried over the last i don't know two or three years to develop so listening to our team members listening to our clients listening to the industry at large and and ask ourselves like what are people saying where where are our clients wanting to go where does this team member want to take their career listening and then charting that course that's really uh probably more of the president side is 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 the listener Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going really well and fantastically. Josh, how are you? So not only is it fantastically, you use the adverb again this time, but also really well. So good to know that, uh, that you're having that great of a day. I'm doing really well. Why is your day going so great? Well, it's actually been a pretty busy day, you know, so it's good to do all this work, but we got a pretty cool guest today. So that has, that has taken my day to the next level. We absolutely 100,000% do. Before <laughs> we get to that, though, question for you. Sure. Over the, the years that we've been hosting this podcast, we, we occasionally, I think some while recording, some maybe while not recording, will uh, we'll kind of banter a little bit and, and kind of Talk about maybe some less than realistic ways that attractions can kind of come together and, and mash up. What do you think has been kind of one of the most ridiculous ideas we've come up with? Well, I think it has to do with axe throwing. I like, think they like, all have to do with axe throwing. I think, I think that's the one that like, like when we talk about, you know, go-karts and axe throwing or, you know, like a haunted you know, hayride, underwater, axe throwing or something. Like axe throwing seems to be included in all of those, I think just because of its its dangerous nature. Um, so I don't know that I can pick a specific one, but uh, that's one of the elements I think that comes up most. So now I'm thinking like haunted children's show, but actually haunted. <laughs> but actually haunted, yes. I, actually haunted, yes. <laughs> yes, I like it, I like it. Yeah. So it's it's fun to come up with those ideas that are less than realistic. Uh, and then what can be even more fun, too, is actually to tie in some realism to it to see something come to fruition. And we're going to actually talk about that today with our guest, Mark Stepanian, who's the president and chief experience officer of Cavu Design Works. And the innovative strategy that he takes, that his team takes, uh, has come up with some unbelievable experiences for rides and attractions. And it just reminded me of some of these just fun, I would say lighthearted conversations that, that we've had. But he goes into a deep dive of how they actually innovate and come up with uh, some pretty pretty ridiculous and awesome ideas. Well, they have the challenge of actually making a, a physical thing that works, right? We, we don't have that challenge or right. opportunity. That responsibility. Right? Responsibility <laughs> or anything. Um, but, you know, for, for people that work with, with him and in that space, 
you know, being engineers and being designers and being creative folks, that's what they thrive on, right? You know, taking these different ideas and mashing them together and seeing what can we do versus what we can't do. And, you know, you mentioned his title, Chief Experience Officer, which, you know, you and I talked a little bit about that we're starting to see that a little bit more in different places. And I really like how Mark talks about it's, it's you know, a lot about the guest experience, of course, you know, are what we doing serving uh, serving the guest experience, but also he talks about it from the employee experience uh, uh, um realm where, you know, it's, it's not enough to just talk about the guest experience, but if your employees aren't being listened to and your employees aren't, you know, feeling like they have value, then you're not going to pr produce the best uh, guest experience that you can produce. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when he talks about uh, his team and the way that they come up with ways that can create a phenomenal guest experience, uh, talking about really balancing the way that the team is structured, particularly when he talks about the innovation aspect of it, that many of them come from the industry and are able to understand kind of the ins and outs, uh, while many of them also come from outside the industry as well. And they're able to, to balance and really come up with phenomenal ideas that previously uh, we haven't seen in the industry because it's because uh, it's being heavily influenced by by those outside and then kind of balanced out with those who are who are within the business as well. So I think you just said balance like three times. Mm. So should we balance this episode and get right to Mark's Mark's uh, interview? We absolutely should. Here is this phenomenal interview with Mark Stepanian from Cavu. <laughs> hey, Mark, how you doing? Welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. Yeah, hey Matt, happy uh, happy to be here with you guys. We are so excited to jump into this conversation. First of all, Mark, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and uh, Cavu? Yeah, yeah, sure. So for for those of you who don't know, my name is Mark Stepanen. I am the uh, president and CXO, uh, Chief Experience Officer here at Cavu. So start to kind of tell our story a little bit, just in titles. We are an experienced engineering company, uh, and so it's funny. Um, such a simple question sometimes can be hard to answer, like, who are you? Um, through the pandemic, we actually um, took some time to, to kind of like step back and ask ourselves, like, who are we? Like, what do we want to be here at Kavu? Um, and so we worked with a branding agency to figure that out. But yeah, we landed on experience engineers, uh, sort of like a a play on words. We want to experience, um, engineer the experience, but also um, be engineers of, of, of experiences. And so, uh, yeah, really excited. Can you expand a little then on the title of CXO, Chief Experience Officer? I feel like it's something that I see popping up more and more nowadays within various different types of firms of, you know, kind of suppliers, operators, hospitality and attractions kind of kind of all over. Yeah. It seems like it's a relatively new title. Can you unpack that a little bit? What is what does the CXO mean? Yeah. So for us, like I said, when we when we boil down who we are as a brand, uh, our sort of guiding principle is does it serve the guest experience? Uh, does what we're doing, whether it's uh, an actual attraction we're developing or whatever, does it serve the guest experience? And so for me, as, as the president and chief executive leading the company, that's my job is to always ask our team, 
is what we're doing um, serving the guest experience? And so that's why for, for us, it was important to sort of showcase that in a title. Uh, one, it generates like a ton of interest when I introduce myself to, to clients and stuff. They say, CXO, what is that? You're Because you're right, it's new. But it really is meaningful to us. I'm not trying to just lead this company. I'm trying to lead the company and always ask, are we serving the guest experience? And so, Mark, I would imagine that being the president, you're also serving the employee experience as well. So can you talk a little bit about how that ties in? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, my my job as as the pre, like president really is like to be the chief listener as well. That that has been something I have tried over the last I don't know two or three years to develop. So listening to our team members, listening to our clients, listening to the industry at large, and and ask ourselves like, what are people saying? Where where are our clients wanting to go? Where does this team member want to take their career? Listen and then charting that course. That's really uh, probably more of the president side is, is, is the listener. Um, yeah. So throughout all this listening, I'd love to go into a little further. What are you hearing? Where, you know, where do you see, I, I know that's probably a really broad question as well, but as far as some of the things just over the last couple of years, as we know, there's been a lot of changes to all aspects of the industry, to the guest experience, to you know, to everything in general. Uh, what are yeah. I, I would say? What are the things that are very much top of mind right now as maybe the the biggest priorities you have on your plate with Kevu? Yeah, I, I mean, for us, we are seeing a, a sort of a pretty marked shift in the way that stories are being told. So, you know, traditionally on attractions, you have a very you know, sort of like predictable and linear uh, storytelling experience. And, and on some cases, it's, it's way more obvious than other, like you're in a dark ride and the producer or show set designer like points the whole ride vehicle to the show set. And it's like, hey, look at this thing over here and like, let me tell you this story. And what we are starting to see is an interest from, you know, not just our industry, but like, um, entertainment experiences across the board um, that are pushing that storytelling to be a little bit more nonlinear, a little bit more agency driven. So giving guests some sort of like role in the experience themselves and, and, and taking that to the next level with new technologies like AR and, and, and VR. And, um, and, and so that's what we're, where we're kind of seeing the industry at large, uh, from, from like a big picture perspective, I think just given where we are right now in a global sense, the, the, the industry pulse that I'm seeing just based on IAPA and ASTM and all these different events is the industry still a bit tenuous to, to figure out like what does the next couple of years look like? Because we, um, we have an enormous demand right now. Like, like people have been kind of cooped up for a while and we're seeing like parks are, 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 are doing record business and per caps are up at parks. And, and so a, a lot of the folks we're talking to, a lot of the clients we're talking to are saying like, our parks are good right now. Like we, we are good right now. We, we don't necessarily need to be um, back in those like early 2000 days where it's like coaster, coaster, like just putting out coasters every year to drive people through that gate. Like people intrinsically want to be in our spaces just because they haven't been for so long. And so um, we're kind of seeing some, just a little bit of tenuousness on 
taking that next step for like those next big uh, marquee uh, sort of projects. Um, so we're in a little bit of a waiting period right now. I would imagine though, for someone who engineers experiences, that's pretty exciting though, thinking about, you know, when parks do start to kind of develop and put those capital improvements in um, to, you know, start bringing people uh, back when it's not just post pandemic pent up demand, right? But it's, you know, it's kind of, uh, Re reinventing themselves even that that storytelling that nonlinear storytelling can be very exciting but i would imagine from a technology standpoint and a and a storytelling standpoint also kind of daunting because um, how do you predict what thousands of people how they may view themselves in that story like you said it's easy to point a vehicle at a screen and know that that's the next step of the story but then how right. do you kind of think through it non-linearly yeah, so you you brought up a really good point because we we've been struggling with this recently as um, a lot of parks are really data driven, right? So like they make decisions based on data on on like you know did like did after the if the people do this ride they take a survey they said it was great we loved it they have all these survey results and that really then drives decision making moving forward. For us, it's hard because, you know, for example, one of our new products is this quest sort of walk through, uh, walk through hot, much higher agency, not screen based uh, experience. And when we pitch this, a lot of uh, a lot of our clients are like, do you have any data on this? Like, do you like do people are people going to like this? How, how are people going to deal with this situation? How are. And, and it's a really good point. Like there's not a ton of data for these like newer, I, I would consider them like next generation attractions. And so one of the things we're starting to increasingly do is do like full-scale mock-ups or, or, or like, a, or a demo where we're building a few different, we call them modules for Quest. We build a few different of these modules and actually allow people to come and experience them because they've never done that type of experience before. And so um, that has been one way that we're trying to get people over that uh, sort of, I've never done this, is it actually gonna be cool uh, sort of hump? Yeah. That's cool. Can, can you actually expand a little on that full-scale mock-up? I guess, what's the difference between building a mock-up and building the ride itself in a, in a test environment as far as making sure yeah. you're making the, I don't know, the, the right, investment in terms of you want the you want the user to be able to have the full immersive experience with it but i guess you don't want to inadvertently kind of build it out entirely if you know oh we're, we're doing this to seek feedback and that feedback might result in several significant changes yeah it's a, yeah another really important challenge we have you know we um Anytime we do, anytime we do mock-ups, we always try to ask ourselves, like, what leaps do we think a, a client or, or 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 somebody who's experienced this can make? So, for example, we have modules where, like, you're pulling levers to solve puzzles, and in reality, the 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 final goal may be when you pull the lever and you solve the puzzle. There's this big gag that happens, whether there's a smoke effect or there's something that that happens the room. But we may not be able to create that moment um, on, you know, in, in a mock-up space like we would in real life because maybe the ceiling's not as high as we want it to be or, or whatever is is. 
but we can at least once they pull and have that moment, we simulate then the big moment uh, with some mock-up, some mock-up sort of response, and then allow the client or whoever we're trying to sell to sort of make that logic leap themselves to say, okay, I get it. Instead of when I pull this thing that happens, this much bigger thing is going to happen. And so we just try to figure out what can we simulate, but what is so core to the experience that it needs to be present even in a mock-up. So Barca, yeah, absolutely. I'm curious though, like um, it, it takes special people to kind of come up with these things, right? And, and certain mindsets and, and creativity. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are to, to be able to play with these things and create these environments? Yeah, yeah. So I started at, at Kennywood and actually one of the probably biggest things any young professional I talk to um, who asked me, I'm, I'm excited. I want to get in the industry. What should I do? My first answer is go work at a park. One, it's easy. Uh, every single park in like the world is hiring right now. And so <laughs> you should be able to find a job uh, at a park. And, and a lot of people say, yeah, but it's like, like a summer job. Like it's not important. For, for me, I um, when I worked at Kennywood, they were gracious enough to allow me to do um, maintenance in the morning. So I spent like the first six hours of every day maintaining a, a roller coaster and a water ride and a dark ride. Um, and then in the afternoon, I floated around all of the different departments. So I spent like some weeks in operations and some weeks in games and weeks in food and beverage. And I really got to see not only how does the equipment that now I'm producing, how do guests use that? How does the park staff like operators use it? How does the maintenance team use it? Um, but I also got to see like how park guests use that equipment. And for me, then that has really driven all of our decision-making when we're designing an experience, leveraging that past experience to say, okay, um, when I was at Kennywood, we saw all of these things. So we probably need to make sure there's a maintenance access for that panel. Otherwise, maintenance is going to take three times as long and it's not going to get done. And so for me, um, I think the start of the innovation process is, is always some grounded in reality to say, um, how are the end users, both the park people and also the, the get our guests, how are they gonna use this equipment? And how are they gonna use this, this, these, these mechanisms that create this experience? And then how do we design for that? Um, if that makes sense, yeah. yeah. When you say use this equipment, can you expand a little bit on that? Is this, is this a guest pulling a lap bar down on the ride? Is it, it, it just it, the way that they're interacting with the park? Uh, what, are, what are the examples of, of, uh, of that phrase, use the equipment? Yeah, I think it's anything. I mean, you know, when we are designing a flying theater, for example, yeah, it could be like a seatbelt. And, and one of the decisions we made on our early models was like guests don't really love seatbelts. They're, they're, they can be tricky to use. You've got to put your hands in places that you may not want to put your hand. Like there's just a lot of complexities with using a seatbelt. And so we asked ourselves, if I'm a guest, what do I want to do? I just want to pull this thing down and it's done and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's over with. And so, and the same from, from an operator's perspective, like having to go around and tugging on seatbelts is cumbersome. And so we've said, okay, how can we streamline? How can we optimize the experience of that operator uh, to make this a, a better, faster loading time, all this stuff. And so we are constantly asking every single touch point, whether it's like a physical touch point or, or, or a digital touch point that maybe the 
guest never even sees, how do we optimize that for, uh, for, 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 for interfaces with, with guests and operators and, and park people? So Mark, that kind of brings up a question for me that yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's some people that say, um, well, what we've done in the past works, right? You know, we've, yeah. we've got a lap bar with a little handle and people can pull up on that. That works just fine. So why do we need to spend the time and the money and the, the effort to innovate something different when this is working just fine? So um, I guess that's part of the experience that you're trying to sell. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing is, so we, we've had a number of clients when we, so when we start our innovation process, we don't typically offer products. Um, we offer, we, we go to a client and say, what are the um, emotions that you're trying uh, to, to get your guests to feel? Like, wh what are those feelings, those sensations? Maybe it's physical, maybe it's, like I said, emotionally, but what are you trying to, to elicit? What is that response that you're trying to get out of this experience? I mean, humans are complex, right? So we have way more than just like, thrill of fear of heights or like thrill of speed like the, the there's a lot more to experiences than that and so for us we always start with okay what are the feelings that you're trying to elicit in your guests and then what are the mechanisms that that allow us to generate those feelings like i said whether it's like some get some some clients say we really want to get this physical sensation of flight. Okay, great. Then that might might mean that we need a more robust actuation system, probably a six stop system, whatever. Some guests are some some clients are saying we really want to uh, elicit this like sense of mystery and the like emotional excitement of exploration. And so then we think about okay, how can we sort of like. Um, shield off certain parts of this? How do we block sight lines to give guests this like sense of wonder? Maybe that's through fog or maybe that's through light, you know, reorganizing the way we set up the lighting. But we are always asking ourselves first, fe feelings first, and then we select equipment based on, on that. Mm -hmm. Go going back to the fine theater example, we've had clients who come to us and say, we, we understand the operational efficiencies of a lap bar, but for us, we want guests to not feel like they're on a ride. Like, cause, cause innately when you put like a lap bar down, you're like, okay, I'm on a ride because in normal life, you don't wear lap bars <laughs> just doing things. And so, and so for, for that client, the feeling of of, of, of organicness and the feeling of, of, of not being on a ride actually outweighed the operational efficiencies. And so we said, ditch, fine, ditch the, you know, ditch the lap bar. Let's go with a seatbelt, something that's less intrusive. It, it's, it's, it's more organic. Yeah. It's going to take you longer. You might need an extra operator too on that platform to load, but it conveys, it evokes that feeling in guests that I'm not on a ride. And so for us, we never try to push like products. Um, it's all about, like I said, feelings. I thought, yeah. 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 No, that's that's really interesting. And and with, I would say, you talked a little bit of of the innovation and kind of a, a glimpse into into the the innovative process and yeah. uh, of determining what feeling the client is trying to elicit from their guests. I uh, there's a lot of ways to, I would say push boundaries for new attraction development that Kevu is certainly on top of. Uh, on the flip side of that, there's also, I would say, almost this nostalgia that attractions bring and, and perhaps maintaining legacies of the past. 
how do you, I would say, balance those two of here's all of this amazing new technology, but there is at its core the, you know, the, the feeling that people get when they are, they are on a ride and making sure that that's preserved and the, I would say that the nest, the nostalgia maintains. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so when we were rebranding over the pandemic, that was one of the things is, you know, we're a really young company. I think our average age at this point across all of our teams in, in Asia and in North America and Canada and here in the US, um, I think our average age is 33, 35. Like we are an extremely young company. And one of the things we were so excited about was what we call new blood. Um, so like we're bringing this new, innovative, passionate blood to the industry. But one of the things the brander also sort of observed, Josh, is the exact thing you just mentioned, which is this idea of like our, our industry is built on these like nostalgic, like, you know, World's Fair, like fairs and, and, and car- like, like those sorts of those sorts of like uh, moments. And so when we restructured our innovation team, which is, you know, we have a, a team inside Kavu dedicated to innovation. It's basically our sales team, but we've, we've called ourselves this innovation team. I lead that team. We have about half of those folks who are industry nuts, basically, you know, coaster people, um, Disney people, you know, like people who love this industry, grew up in this industry, worked in this industry since they were 10 or whatever. Um, that's, that's, that's my side of the story as well. Like I've wanted to do this since I was, you know, eight years old and uh, rode Jackrabbit at Kennywood for the first time because I thought that was crazy. Um, but then the other half of the innovation team is fresh, like never worked in this industry at all ever and if you said hey what about that roller coaster that's the most famous roller coaster in the world right now i don't know whatever that is they would say oh yeah i I think i saw an article about it or something is it a wooden or is it like like they would have no clue and and we've done that strategically to your point josh to balance those two sides so we've got people who are used to the industry box they know what works they know what has has resonated with folks and they know how those things are done and then we've got a whole set mostly younger uh younger folks who have never built an attraction before or aren't used to building attractions and so we when we say we want to generate the feeling of x the box people say, well, we've done that before with the drop track or a drop tower or something. And the and then you've got the folks who have never done it before say, well, wait a second, why do we even need to do that? Why can't we do it? And the box isn't even there. And so there's no box to like sort of think in. And then what generally happens is there's some mash up that 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 happens where we take this old school reverence, this new school, like truly out of the box, like no regards to anything and we come up with this ultimate solution and so that has been for us a working approach for how we balance new tech new innovations new 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 yeah new technologies with uh you know sort of proven stuff that's really cool i love that approach of kind of you know you've got the the industry box, but then you've got the people who are going to blow that box out of the water and, and ask yeah. those really important questions. And by the way, love Jack Rabbit, that double down is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you, you you talk about the young folks in the industry, and I know you do a lot of work with young professionals as, as Josh does. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe how important that is to develop the young professionals in our industry? Yeah. 
I mean, uh, so I was just at ASTM a few weeks ago and was talking to, to different individuals. And my big push for young professionals is truly this existential um, push because we as an industry are getting older. Um, a lot of the same folks who sort of were part of the renaissance of the amusement industry back in the 60s and 70s are, 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 you know, were working in their 20s uh, during that time period are, are either to the point or past the point of retiring. And so we have this hole right now of, of, of we've got these folks who are at their, the, the last sport, sort of parts of their career who are, who are getting ready to hop out. And then there's a big hole before people at the younger part, people who are just entering their career. And if we, as an industry, want to carry on our legacy of, of safety, of, of, of amazing experiences and escapism and all of the things that people visit our, our parks and resorts and, and just even experience what, you know, zoos, whatever. Um, in order for us to carry on that legacy, we need all of these young people because they're going to be the ones to drive this industry forward for the next 50 years and continue to to build on that legacy that 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 everybody has already built and so for me it's not about am i worried about are these you know students or are these young people gonna change what we're doing or break what we're doing of course not like they're the ones who need to guide us through the next 50 years and so um allowing these folks to get involved and 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 learn and be a part like be a real part like not just a token oh there's this young person and, and she's involved just because we need somebody to be young like a real impactful uh role within organizations um and get that experience so whenever the time comes that you know whoever's 65 right now and they're gonna leave in three years or five years we've got the people in place who are ready to carry that torch that's to me what young professionals is about mm. well said thank you know thanks so much for for sharing that and to kind of go back a little bit to talk about uh, your team and kind of the or the innovation team being half yeah those who, who have came from the industry and, and know the ins and outs of it, and then the other half of those coming out, outside the industry. Uh, well, first, what's cool about that is that that in and of itself brings new blood into the industry that then feeds everything that you just talked about right there. Yeah. I, how do you find those individuals? If you're looking specifically for people with experience outside of attractions to be able to bring that in, how do you drive them in? If they're not in the industry already, what, why would they want to join? Why do they want to come to Kevu to be part of a team knowing that their counterparts are going to have a, a completely different lens that they have on purpose? Yeah. I mean, so for us, in terms of recruiting, uh, we do a number of things. Uh, the first is there's a couple of like, close industries like aerospace has a lot of the same things that we do so like when we design we're always worried about like weight how much does this vehicle weigh um so is aerospace we always worry about like so so and and, and timeline and like though a couple of industries the automotive industry sort of as well so when we look to hire people who have experience but may not be in the amusement industry we kind of look we, we first look at like those secondary industries like industries that are close ish but not you know not the the entertainment industry we also partner with you know i, I went to cornell uh, co-op there 
And so we've established a relationship with, with Cornell. Um, a bunch of our team are, are Penn Staters. And so uh, and a, lot of our, a lot of our folks are also in the state of Pennsylvania physically. And so we have some partnerships with those guys. So we try to recruit uh, you know, relatively green folks that are coming right out of university from, from you know, a couple of our, our alumni ties um, to try to get people to, you know, who have never even thought about the amusement industry as a possibility to try to, you know, to try to bring them in. Um, what we found is we don't really want to rely on, a, a lot of companies rely on the allure of the amusement industry. It's a dream job, it's a whatever, and that's like the, the core tenet of why or, or how they recruit people. For us, that's not good enough um, because dream jobs don't make people stay. Um, what really makes people stay is, of course, you're treating them right and you're paying them right and you're valuing them correctly and all that stuff. But, but even beyond that, um, the challenges that exist within our industry are unlike a lot of other industries. Aerospace is similar, except they've got a ton of budget. Our industry doesn't have like unlimited budgets to just like innovate on and and other industries are are really um, like much more creative and much more innovative, but they don't have the mass um, like the mass usership that we do. And so what we focus on is trying to tell people you're going to be challenged beyond um, imagine really in our industry and those challenges, that's what's going to get you out of bed every day. And that's, what's going to drive you. And that's, what's going to want, want to make you kind of stay engaged. Not that dream, you know, dream job. It's going to be great. Like that's not good enough for us. You're never going to get people to stay for 50 years in an industry, uh, based on it, just being a dream job. Yeah, that dream job has to have legs, right? I mean, you've got you've to be able to do something with that. It's one thing to say, that's my dream job. I go, I get it. Now what? I think is the exactly. next question, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So how do you, like for those folks that come from outside the industry, obviously a big driver for the three of us and many people who are listening is the industry, right? Yeah. And so you talk about challenge, you talk about being valued. Have there been people that have gotten into a position and they're the, they're just, you know, this kind of engineering just isn't for me. Like this, this doesn't, isn't a good fit. Yeah, sure. I mean, there, there definitely, there definitely are. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the, one of the big parts of our industry is we are a very, uh, a work hard, play hard industry. I mean, we do a ton of work and, and uh, whether it's, you know, Christmas day or, or whatever, uh, the parks operate, parks are operating and our product is out there operating. And so you've really got to be willing to give a lot, um, you know, to, to, to be successful. And some, and some folks don't for, for their life and for their goals in life, they're not like looking for that. And so for sure, we've had people, I, I will never forget when we opened, um, Tempesto, when I worked at Premier uh, as, as one of their design engineers, uh, one of the jobs I did was Tempesto at uh, Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, amazing product, uh, an amazing team. We, we, I loved working with uh, the SeaWorld guys. Um, when we opened that ride, we had a, a couple of engineers with us and we're on the platform and there's just so much excitement. First day this ride's open. And after that day, I, we were we were back at the hotel and I said, I was just like buzzing with energy. And I thought, this is amazing. We're talking to all these people. And I looked at her and I said, what do you think? Like, isn't, and she was like, yeah, that was cool. 
And I'm like, this is for four years in the making, like four years in the making. I was, I was so, I, I like sort of dreamed about what this day was going to be like when we open it and we get to see our first guests experiencing this stuff and learning how they like it. What, and she was just like, yeah, it was cool. Like, and so some people just have also just innately different drives, I think, about what they, you know, what they really, what they really enjoy and look forward to. So for sure. Um, yeah. Well, I'll just say as someone who rode Tempesto in its opening season, I think I matched your enthusiasm with it. Granted, <laughs> obviously, as just as a consumer of it, but was like, yeah. oh, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty awesome. So right. uh, so actually going back to kind of the the attraction development conversation uh and i'll i'll add context to this to say that that matt and i often banter whether it's on the podcast or or when we're not recording of being a a little imaginative of i guess you can call it like an attraction mashup and i'm pretty confident that 99 if not 100 percent of the ideas we've come up with are completely not feasible whatsoever like axe throwing trampoline park you know in a wave pool like probably not going to happen anytime soon right Uh, and then looking at Cavu, you have the interactive suspended coaster, competitive shooting drop tower. Uh, you, you know, you can see the the elements of these come together of saying, well, what if we took this and we blended it with this? And we'd love to to know. I would say, what are what are the elements that go into just this successful combination of multiple different attraction experiences? Yeah. So we so most of our so, so we're we're fully remote. Um, none of us are. Are, are co-locating um and so every i think four about four times ish a year um we, we allow the team to sort of vote on what city they want to be in and we all co-locate for like five days it's like a little mini retreat and during those uh during those sessions we have we, we call them blue sky sessions because again aeronautic Kavu is aeronautically themed and so um we have these blue sky sessions or or we call them no bad ideas sessions and during these session it's like a day long um sometimes there might be a little bit of alcohol involved and it's just about like throwing out ideas like what if we did did like this plus exactly to what you just said like and and it's and you are not like you are not allowed to criticize anybody's ideas. In fact, like we always try to do this like plussing uh, exercise where somebody says a crazy idea and then you've got to plus it. You've got to say like, yeah, and, and, and then you've got to add to it and like really try to gain some like momentum behind these perceived to be bad ideas. And a lot of our mashup attractions actually came out of that. Like where we were like shooting dark ride, like shooting dark ride, super popular. Drop towers, really popular. And a lot of our team loves that like free fall sensation. So somebody said shooting dark rides and drop tower. And of course, everybody was like, in your brain, you're thinking, okay, you've got untethered like gun devices on a drop tower. Like that's, how are we going to make that work? But it was no bad ideas. And so we were like, great idea. And, And so then people just started adding. And after like, you know, 10 minutes, we were like, this is a really, this idea has legs. Like this is a really cool, cool concept. And so we had about, I think maybe 30 of those sort of mashup attractions that we were really passionate and really excited about. And we we started to do the engineering on them and said, let's turn these into real products. And from those, we just continued to whittle them down to, uh, to the three products we launched at Game Changers. Um, which was, yeah, mashups of proven attractions that we know work. Um, and the innovation is we're combining them and mashing them up and that's making a new product type. 
So Mark, I'm curious uh, because you mentioned that you're all remote and you only get to, um, would you call it co-locate, right? Every, yeah. you know, every, every so often. Um, and a lot of people will say, you know, to, to innovate and to be creative and things like that, you got to be in the same room and you got to throw ideas around and put things on the board and things like that. So how do you manage the fact that people are remote and yet still need to come together and collaborate? I mean, there's, yeah. you know, obviously we have the technology to do it, but it's very different when you're not in the same room, breathing the same air and feeling the same vibe. Yeah. So I think to your point, we don't really try to push like, so you're right. We have teams, you know, we use Microsoft teams every day. We've got standup calls, like, like a, you know, game, you know, like a software game studio would do every more every day. Uh, it's uh, 2 45 PM uh, East coast time for, uh, for us on the East coast, but all of our team joins on a MS teams call. And uh, each day, like Mondays are all about uh, wacky shirt Mondays. So you wear like your favorite, you know, El Toro shirt from 10 years ago. And you kind of talk about that Fridays are fun days where we we talk about the weekends but on those calls we don't try to push like innovation because you're right it doesn't really work as well uh over 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 you know zoom meetings or, or virtual meetings and so we just try to be really strategic with how we're connecting and what we're trying to get if if we know we need to be you know group x comes to us and says we need a proposal it's due in three weeks we will we will on the spot make a co-location trip where we're all heading down to Orlando or all heading to wherever and we're going to put our heads together and we're going to just hash out this system. Um, those are like sort of more emergency visits. We wouldn't try to do that virtually because you're right, like the technology doesn't support us there. So we use technology for things like project management and, and financial updates and stuff that it doesn't I don't really need to like read body language and I don't really need to like, we, we don't, our team doesn't need to like feed off of that positive energy. If we know we need those opportunities, let's get together in person. Mm -hmm. I think what's really interesting about that is I, I think it ties into a lot of why the industry exists and that, that need to be able to, I know that's a really broad statement there, of, of the need <laughs> to actually be in person and, yeah. and being socially engaged with friends, families, whatever it is. Uh, and the last couple of years have challenged that of being able to say, well, we're able to do everything remote. And what we've all learned is, yeah, there are some things we can do remote and there are some things that we can do to an extent remote, but there are also a number of things that uh, that remote or that Zoom is not able to replace the you know the importance of the the in person gathering um, and and the example you just gave of of the co co locating uh, retreats uh, just really proves and really justifies just the need for people to be together in in some capacity. I and going back to that um, kind of these these innovation sessions I and and reflecting on it I. Is there anything that you wish existed that is yet to be feasible today that maybe, maybe it will be someday in the future, but just, just something that maybe the, the technology just isn't there yet or, or just something you think that I, I wish we could do this, but physically we cannot. Yeah, I think for us, um, it goes back to very beginning. What we're kind of seeing the industry wanting is more agency. And for me, like way more personalized experiences. Like I think... When I look back at, at my life, not just on entertainment experiences, but like any experience in life, the most impactful or the most like meaningful to me have always been 
these really personal moments where I feel like, you know, whether I'm connecting with somebody else, like another, a real human in real life, and they say something and we're having, we're sharing this really like personal moment, um, that like that, 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 that personalness is something that I, I, I'm so excited to see what the next 10 years of entertainment experiences sort of have, you know, Disney's doing it with, with Disney plus and, and, and starting to understand who their guests are and what do their guests like and what content do they want? And then driving the guest experience to, um, to sort of, to sort of optimize that based on what we know guests enjoy. And I want to, I'm, I'm excited to see, um, what, like, I, I guess to answer your question directly, I would love to like, if, if every, if every person that rode the ride could like just download their likes to my ride system. And like, we just then curate a ride system that is, that is so targeted and so personalized to, you know, I really like these things emotionally, this moment, I want these things, or I need these things. And we deliver them an experience that, um, that achieves those things. I, I think we're, I think we can get there. Like, I think in the next, you know, 10 to 20 years, as we better understand our guests and what they like and what they don't like. And, and like I said, those mo like actual moment by moment differences of at this moment in my life or at this moment right now, I'm looking for these things and then delivering on those. That to me is, is the ultimate goal of what a real entertainment experience is or should be. And, and we'll get there, but we're not right there. We're not there just yet, I don't think. What you're describing to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like personalization at scale, right? Yeah. Because, because you think about somebody going to Discovery Cove in Orlando, right? And it's more of an exclusive experience. You're with the dolphins, more personal one-on-one -on -one yeah. versus going to a Cedar Point where you're standing in line with thousands of people to ride a ride that, you know, multiple people will go on at the same time and granted front back middle you're not going to get the exact same experience but um those those experiences are designed for many people at once right yeah. to kind of get people through and capacity is really important so um i i share that that outlook I, I would love to see more of that personalization at scale but i think it's almost like a lot of the places that we've designed already are designed the opposite way if that makes yeah. sense yeah no, it does. And, and, I, and you're right. Like there's also the technology that needs to support that endeavor. So like with Midnight Ride, our, 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 our VR motorbike ride, that was the first ride that we've ever done that where we gave individuals their own motion base. So like you're on your own three DOF, three, three degree freedom motion base, and you have agency. If you want to go off the track, go off the track. If you want to take that jump, hit that jump. And, but, but I remember when we pitched this idea and when we were working, Thinkwell was the, the designers, when we were working with Thinkwell, that was one of the first things was, well, how are we going to do this if we need to get throughput? And somebody, again, it was probably in a no bad ideas session. Somebody said, what if we give everybody their own motion base? And at first everybody was like, oh, man, Paul, it's, 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 and, 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 and then we say, but okay, but let's figure it out. Like we've, we've, if we want to deliver this, we've got to figure that out. And, and what we're seeing excitedly, um, is a lot more of that openness to, you know, single rider vehicles, um, uh, a lot of them, um, and, 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 and sort of still getting throughput, but not, um, not willing to sacrifice that level of personalization where it's just one or two people on a, on a motion base or on a ride vehicle. And those people can make decisions and, and that impacts them and only them, not the rest of the 30 people who are, who are, who mm. are riding around them. Mm. 
So the interesting thing about agency and, and kind of this, this hyper-personalization is it, uh, it takes consistency and almost throws it out the window in that there's, there's going to be a unique experience that someone will, will experience for themselves. I ultimately, I mean, one of the biggest upsides of that is, is repeatability of knowing if you do it again, it, it might be a little sure. bit different. Uh, but playing devil's advocate a little bit is that if someone has too much agency, uh, they could walk out of the experience feeling less than satisfied or, or saying this, this did not meet their, this did not meet my expectations. And on one hand, it's their fault. And on the other hand, you know, we still want to make sure that whatever agency they take, that, uh, that they walk out saying like, this was a phenomenal experience. So I, I, I guess the question is almost like balancing those and not, you know, giving, giving just the right amount of agency in the right context to the guest to make sure that regardless of the experience they have, it's positive and favorable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so for Midnight Ride, back to Midnight Ride, we achieved that because because we had that exact same experience. It's like, do we ever want to let guests lose? Like, like everybody wins in a theme park, right? Like everybody, a, a, a positive guest experience right now, the belief is everybody has to win. I think that's going to change because I think it's I think it's realistic to believe that um, in the next ten years I think people are going to be more comfortable like with the maxim like it's about the journey not about the destination and I'd love for for us as an industry to accept that like losing is okay and 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 not completing the like like an escape room I feel like escape rooms are like now you're always going to get out because they give you enough clues. To me, I, I think part of the challenge is like, it's okay if I lose. Like that means I really taxed myself and I challenged myself. Um, but so I think that will eventually change. But for the moment, what we have done is like a midnight ride, for example, we have areas of that ride um, that are free, total eight free agency. So you can go faster, you can go slower, you can take different paths, whatever. But all sort of all roads lead to critical show set points. Uh, and so you've got some agency, 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 and then everybody who comes back together, regardless, if you're lagging behind, we artificially speed your bike up so that everybody hits the zombie moment at the same time every single time and everybody gets that show moment and then you can you know play around a little bit bump your friends you know try to get somebody to go off the different path and then everybody comes together for the bridge finale moment like so that's how we've done it um right now where we sort of it's it's almost like agency with guardrails uh and so the guardrails get wider and we allow you some real agency and then the guardrails come together and then there's that moment where everybody's together um Again, I think what we're looking for is ways that that we can work with the folks who are telling the stories so it feels more organic than that. So it's not obvious that we're leading you back to a, to a key story moment. So it feels like organic, like you just happen to stumble across this key story moment, but it was actually designed there the whole time. So you still feel like you're having that agency, but we're still delivering a, a, a story that's meaningful and impactful and, and all that stuff. Well, and I think one of the things from my perspective, maybe as a consumer, is that when you bring those guide rails in and you bring everybody back together, that sort of, you know, creates the moment where it's now a shared experience, right? You know, I yeah. mean, talk about 
all this hyper personalization and and doing that at scale but at the same time you know if you've ever taken a zen ride on a roller coaster where it's just you right there's something cool about that but i remember when i did that on fury at carowinds and yeah. loved the whole experience but i get to the break run and it's just me doing this you know and yeah. like that was so, so much of a letdown, you know, yeah. the grind was great, but then I didn't have the cheering at the end. So, I mean, I, maybe to me, you know, that's cool that you do bring them back and have that shared experience. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think there's like also practicalities of that when we put people in VR and reality, reality goes away. And now you're child who's on the bike next to you can't see you and they panic because they truly believe like they're in a world all by themselves and they don't know where their mom is and oh my gosh like what what and then there's the zombie scene and then this kid panics like that that happened uh that that happens and so um what we've tried to do uh, to alleviate that is we've started to embody people it's like on midnight ride when you sit down we are we got some some cool patents where we're like measuring your fingertips and we're measuring the width of your palm and we're measuring your so we measure with because we've got a sensor so we're measuring a bunch of physical dimensions um we can and then we compare those physical dimensions against a database of like ten thousand people that are from the area that the ride is in and we say okay if their fingertips are this big and they and their palm width is like this and their elbow to wrist dimension is this they're probably six feet zero they're probably a male and they're pro and, and and they probably weigh and then we, we we and so we try to embody you so now whenever i look to my right and my child was there um i can still see him in vr we've embodied him so there is a character there that's representing my son and they are approximately pretty close to the dimensions of my son and whenever i wave we've got sensors now picking up your, your hands and your elbows and your whole movement. So when I wave, he can see me waving. And when he waves back, I can see him waving. And so we're trying to start, because to your point, Matt, exactly, when, when you're experiencing this, you wanna look over to your friend and be like, this is awesome, like, this is so cool. And, and, and so we're trying to be able to do that, again, leveraging the technology to make that more meaningful than like random rider one over there that doesn't look like my wife, but it's supposed to be my wife. We're trying to embody her uh, or my son or whoever to really look like those individuals now. And, and so, again, baby steps towards really unlocking those, um, those truly social, personal moments. Holy crap. That's the only <laughs> thing I can think of from, from that. That is uh, uh, unbelievable what, what you're able to do and be able to do it all in the interest of delivering that, uh, that unbelievable experience to your guests or, or the guests of your clients. Um, Mark, I feel like this, uh, this time has, has flown by. I, uh, wish we could talk all day. I feel like we could, we could keep going for hours and hours. So we'll have to schedule a part two at some point to sure. keep the conversation going, but in the meantime, if people want to learn more about Cavu, if they want to get a hold of you directly, where would you send them? Yeah, I mean, obviously our website's out there. Uh, so it's kabudiw.com. Uh, so, so feel free to go there. My personal email is mark, just my first name, M-A-R-K at kabudiw.com. So feel free to drop me, drop me a line there. Also on LinkedIn and stuff. And you'll also find me at the same events that you guys are at. So ASTM and IAPA and our, uh, AIMS and all those things. So if you ever see me, come up, say hello. I'd love to chat.
Absolutely. Well, maybe our, our next uh, conversation could be in person, you know, at, at, uh, at one of these events and we'll just record that and that'll be part two. So that would be uh, awesome. on midnight ride. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, this, this has been a fascinating uh, conversation and uh, really, really appreciate your time. And for everybody who's out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.